Praise the Lord. As we sang those old songs, this old guy liked it pretty much. When I sing and think on the songs that we sing like, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. I cannot tell it all because he's done so much for me. There's a certain amount of joy that comes in my spirit, but there's something. I have something that overwhelms me as well that says, I don't deserve to be here. God. When I think of where I came from and I stand here addressing this great congregation and the great men that call this their pulpit. I, I'm not being false humility here. I, I'm not worthy of such a calling. That's the new me talking. Isn't he good? Oh, Jesus. Praise God. <clears throat> like to read a scripture and then I'll open up. You can get to Psalm 78 if you would, please. And I'll read a few extra scriptures. I attempted to uh, do the best that I could and get uh, the media guys and gals who do just a tremendous job, don't they? Dedicated. They are really taking us to a, a new level and uh, really feel like Brother Stewart and all that are involved are sent here, brought here to accomplish such great things in the kingdom of God. I will read two sets of scriptures, one I didn't give to you, but Psalms 145 says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is truly, if you will, unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Psalm 78, verse 1 through 6 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will, hide, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that, gener that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. I'd like to preach to you or talk to you tonight in a very personal nature, but from this title, A Season of Declaration or Forfeiture. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We trust in your word. 
We thank you for your presence that's in this place. God, we honor you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you with all of our heart. Let the congregation say amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a title, Brother Stuart. Stuart, uh, I apologize up front for my voice only, uh, battling with some medication and it's drying my throat out like the wilderness on the backside of the desert. Amen. Brother Stuart poked fun at me. He said, maybe we should put a graphic of the IRS up here with this title, the season of declaration or forfeiture. (laughs) I told him, well, you could put a subtitle on it, the great church audit. Because in many ways, I believe we've been through a season of being audited by God. I'm not too worried about the IRS coming here. I know Mother Wright. I know how meticulous, how heavily, seriously she believes in stewardship unto God with finances and in all things, her time. I'm not too worried about the IRS coming and looking at our books here. But I'm not quite so sure that the entire church would survive an audit of the Holy Ghost. Perhaps we could state it this way tonight. When God turns his heart towards Antioch. I believe that is what has been happening. For the record, this might be the only Greek or Hebrew I do tonight. And that is a miracle for me. The word declare in that last verse, verse 6 says, literally means to score with a mark as a tally or record. That is by implication to inscribe And also to enumerate, intensively to recount, that is to celebrate, to relive. They tell me, uh, in in cricket, was kind of an interesting fact, in in the game of cricket, uh, that the captain of the team can make declaration upon the ends of an inning. He can also make what's called a forfeiture if he would like to surrender those innings. Now, I'm not quite sure how that works because I know nothing of cricket. You certainly don't put a wooden paddle in the little man's hands. But I don't know about you, but I am not ready to forfeit my innings in the kingdom of God. I am unwilling at 54 years old to surrender any innings or any at-bats in the kingdom of God. A season of forfeiture. Let me explain, if I could just make this personal tonight and talk about me at the risk of being quite vulnerable and open to you. It's probably no secret of my struggles the last several years. I don't know how to play poker. I couldn't, I couldn't bluff you at go fish. It's just not possible. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I tend to say what I feel. That's a wonderful New England trait. And there wasn't much of a filter. It's funny when God gets you alone, how he can change those things. And I struggled immensely with my place here. If there was a place here, we have swung to the youth 
Everything seems to be about the youth. And it seemed that perhaps there was no place for old preachers. Would anybody like to exercise something other than the sound of crickets right now and say amen? <laughs> uh, I told my wife, I, the Lord has just been stirring my heart for the past six or seven months. And there's been one wave after brokenness after another. I said, I don't know if I could be funny tonight. She said, it's okay to be a little bit funny. Three weeks ago, kind of at the pinnacle of this trial that seemed to have no end. I got tired of putting names to it, blaming other people. I got tired of examining myself. I got tired of trying to leave, begging God to take me away from Antioch. You know, there really is such a thing as a, a divine dissatisfaction. It's found in the hottest of places and on the most used anvils there are. It's where men and women of God are molded and fitted for the purpose that they've been born into this world for. It's a very uncomfortable place. As you know, we've been heavily involved in this AML process, the licensing of Antioch ministers, and it's going really, really well on several fronts. Sister Angie Wright, uh, recently, about three weeks ago, when Brother uh, Ryan Near, Near was here, uh, sent me an email one day saying, we're putting on a AML fellowship with Brother Near at our house, and I need the list of young men and women that are in the process that are single. I said, okay. And so there was a process of emails back and forth with Sister Angie Wright and I. And uh, at the end of those emails, she extended an invite to me as the AML coordinator, administrator, whatever title you want to give me, I don't care. And I thought that was really nice. And my instant response to her via email was, well, it sounds to me like you don't need an old goat like me around in this young atmosphere. And there ended the conversation between Sister Angie and I. I thought everything was fine. Went home. and As far as I know, whatever night it was, we did what we did, my wife and I. And I woke up the next day and came to work and... I sat in my Coast Guard rocking chair, Semper Paratus, and uh, as normal, I donned my prayer shawl and I began to prepare myself to thank my king, Avino Makino, my king, my father, as I always do in the morning. And as soon as I put it on and leaned back in my rocking chair, I kind of literally felt like the Lord said this to me. <clears throat> and uh, I can assure you that doesn't happen very often and I knew something was up I didn't say a word I just listened oh that we would find the place we'd learn the art of praying isn't always talking 
The Lord said, old goat, huh? I knew immediately that I was in a lot of trouble. And in his own way, he spoke these words to me. That I was at a place, a season, where I would either declare which side I was on. Or I would forfeit my entire ministry and walk with God. Now you might say to yourself, preacher, you know, whatever you think of me, you think of me. But preacher, you're here today, so you must be somebody. And I've heard you preach before and yada, yada, yada. How could you forfeit your entire walk with God? My friend, if you don't know your flesh ability any better than that, you don't know the grace of God. When I think of the goodness of my Jesus and all he continues to do for me. The Lord began to spoke, spoke this to me and, and I knew what I had to do immediately. I knew that what really shook me was if I could just be sort of at home here this, so used to being this morning, Tonight, I, I said in my mind, I said, really? Sister Angie writes an email, no offense guys, but with a bunch of kids. This is what it's over. This is what it's going to come to. Oy vey, God, what are you doing here? This is what it's all about. I thought maybe it would be Bishop Wright coming down and blasting me or some glorious event like that. this. So I, I got an, an email up and I, it's too personal to read all of it, but I sent an email to Pastor Wright and Sister Angie Wright. And I said, I know that the Lord has been working with me a very long time, but through the AML process, a light has begun to shine in my pea brain. The email that I sent to Sister Angie was sort of a tipping point for me personally. With his help, I began to realize that these young people and this church need me. <laughs> Please be seated. You see, many people have told me this over the years. and There was so much inside of me that I couldn't embrace the fact that God, because all of the signs and the, the symptoms, if you will, spoke otherwise, were turning to a youth. And so many elders are so lost in this church. And I happen to be one of them today. It was quite a revelation for me what I just read to you and very personal. How many understand that stepping from one generational role, if you will, to another can be a reluctant and very rocky road. Many do not survive it. Two weeks after that, by the way, we went to that meeting and Brother Near was Brother Near. Wow. It was uh, three or four sermons, and it was just, wow. I, I, quite frankly, was just waiting for him to be quiet because I knew the Holy Ghost wanted to just flow. And 
when he finally let go, ministry broke out. And the moment the ministry broke out, I knew that this church, there was a role for me, however small it was. We began to pour into Sister Angie, Pastor David, myself, Brother Near. We began to pour into these young people so sincere, so hungry for God, but yet needing some elderly experience and wisdom to be imparted into their lives. Two weeks ago, that was three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I, I was just in one of those days where I was overwhelmed by the goodness of God and amazed at his long suffering towards me. And I sent Pastor Wright another email and I said, you know, again, we'll omit all the personal stuff. I said, you know, Pastor, perhaps... I believe the Lord is working a much-needed balance into the elder and the youth relationship at Antioch. Personally speaking, Pastor, it can be challenging to watch our young people receive things that some of us, the older generation, really never had. As years ago, the bishop confesses this was a young church and had all kinds of one-sidedness to it and lacked a certain balance and yet God used it mightily and you know maybe perhaps it was young naturally and physically spiritually I don't know it was before my time I went on to tell senior pastor and sister Angie envy in us elders again personally speaking can be troubling each generation must find and fulfill its role so regardless of what generation we find ourselves in the price and the prize are on equal footing. After that email, I began to realize from a new perspective that us elders in this building, 35, 40, 50, 60 years old, God in his infinite wisdom, I love the phrase, and Father knows best, he took Bishop Wright, who claimed not to really be a pastor, and God used him to do this great work in the 80s before my time. And even, well, I came here in 86 and that revival was still going. And this church was just going forward. It was, it was just taking no prisoners. It was all about Jesus' name. It was the most wild-eyed, crazy bunch of believers. But the high level or bar of faith was like no other place I had ever been in all of my travels. God in his infinite wisdom didn't give us all that they are getting today, but he gave us what was needed. Not just needed for revival in the 80s and through the 90s, but God is so wise that he knew in 2015 there would come a day where we stood on the edge of decision, on the banks of God's goodness, and he prepared back in the early 80s a people for this, such a time as this. And he prepared us in such a way that we could raise up and help deliver and lead this generation. I'm telling you today, God has never made a mistake. Who could have seen who really could confess that they foreknew that this was God's plan? I'm sure the bishop and other elders prayed for it, believed for it. But after a while, you know, even though we sing the songs like, Jesus, I'll never forget, the human mind has a way of relaxing. 
But if you elders would think to, with me today from this perspective that all that you went through, that all the work that you did for all the lack of mentors, for all the times you've been thrown out in a care group without direction, if you will, or just go do it and God will figure it out for all the nights and the years and the months, if you will, of praying and fasting for all the times that the youth groups of old Antioch had no name recognition like they have now. God was preparing you for this time. See, it is true. Scripture says that God prepares the end, the acharid, from the beginning. From your very beginning, he used you where you are and propelled us forward as elders. But we never really imagined that we'd ever transition to another place that was all by God's design. Psalm 71 says this, 17 and 18. It says, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to every one that is come. I want to say many times we have messages to the youth today and I realize there's a lot of folks missing tonight. But in all seriousness, I feel God is speaking one more time to the elders of Antioch. And when I say elders, I mean literally the people that have been around here. I believe, this is my faith, that God is even speaking through this video to the elders that aren't here. What would I give to have my first care group leader saved and dancing Jeff Krieger at these altars again? What a man of God. How many others are out there that we could name and our minds could go through? You know, God prepared them for this time. And I believe in Jesus' name, he'll bring them back for such a time. But the issue at hand cannot begin with them. and must begin with the elders that stayed in the house. We must begin to embrace the revelation that God has given me. Not that there's a, there is a better revelation, but it just for an example, we must begin to let our minds wrap around. Let this mind be in you as in Christ. Really believe that we're here for this purpose. I was going to say his greatest, our greatest moments is upon us, but that is not true. His greatest hour and moment is upon us. You see, our past, the past, the Bible's past, the Bible calls it in samples or the examples of the patriarch, whether you get into the past and you look through the word or you get into the rhema of your life, if you will, and you look over and remember the past, the past impacts our present. It shapes our future, but only if we remember. When we remember the power of the past floods our present and we relive those moments to the reinvigorating of our souls. These actions are represented as some of us celebrate or observe or like to go enjoy the high holidays. You know, when you read your Bible, 
The word remember is all over the place. It's a covenant word. God in his infinite wisdom, somebody say, Father knows best, caused his people to remember and to rehearse festivals and feasts that represent the high, mighty acts of God in time. He caused them never to forget. He, he said, I want you always to remember and to rehearse these things. There's such power in memory. In Genesis 8 and 1, it states, and God remembered Noah. In Exodus 2, 23 and 25, it says, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect to them. The idea of God remembering seems quite illogical to me. How could God forget? But yet it does say that part of the new covenant and throughout the entire Bible, our God forgets our iniquities and casts our sins as far as the east or from the west. This is not talking about God forgetting Noah or God forgetting Abraham or God forgetting his covenant. It's talking about when the elders of Zion remember and turn and call upon their God, God turns to them. And he remembers all that he promised. I have a sneaky suspicion spiritually, if you will, that when we as elders, Brother Whaley, Brother Middleton, others, we talked about this, when the elders of Zion, when the elders of Antioch truly embrace some of the thoughts that are said here tonight and some of the things the Spirit is sowing into your ear, I believe God will return and turn back again to Antioch. The promises haven't gone anywhere. They're as sure as I am standing here, yea, much surer. But God is patiently, mercifully waiting When we talk about remembrance or remembering scripturally, we're not talking about recounting or going down memory lane. Sometimes there's been this friction. You keep track of time for me here because I don't have it. Sometimes there's been this friction. I'm tired of hearing about the 80s. And I'm not disparaging anybody or anything. It's all fine. I'm just simply trying to make a point. And I understand where that comes from. I'm so sick of hearing about the 80s is rooted in I want the 80s in the 2000s. I want them now. That's, that's a good thing. But for the elders of Zion, if I, if I could say that to you today, God has called you to remember. God has called you not to forget. God has called you to rehearse and by remembering, revive your spirits unto believing once again in the mighty acts of God. Scripturally, and again, I'm really having a time staying away from Hebrew definitions. In words, it's my cross to bear. How am I doing good? Whew, hallelujah. When we speak of remembering in God's economy, it's talking about a change of state from passiveness to action. You see, as an elder that didn't like the way the church was going because I thought perhaps it wasn't going my way, 
Perhaps I missed my bus. I have many things that I, that I could be at fault for. I've, I've done a lot of wrong things and God would be justified to make the bus go by me and pick up the younger people. In all of that, there were times where I kind of murmured a little bit behind the scenes, but I knew enough not to get too crazy with it. God hates division and I wasn't going to cause that. But the one thing I could do was withdraw. Oh, I'd like to get back in the notes. It's a lot safer. I could withdraw. I could come to church, sit in the back, come late, leave early. I could show my face, let everybody up there see who I was and that I was here. Hi, aren't I worshiping? Never engaged in what God was doing. Never even crossed my mind in my dilemma. In my, I see some heads shaking. You understand what I'm saying? I know I'm not the only one. Today is one of the last callings to the elder at Antioch. So it's not time to duck and dive and juke and jive. It's time to respond to the Spirit tonight. (laughs) Set back there, hiding, doing what I had to to get by, collecting my paycheck just hoping that I could wake this thing out and it would change, praying that God would have his will, and if you couldn't have your will, then have my will and get me out of here, Lord. Meanwhile, watching one elder, one stalwart, one one icon, if you will, I don't know what the right word is, but one pillar of Antioch, leave after one pillar of Antioch, leave. Never vexed my soul, though it should have. And when I got to the point where I was ready to make that decision, I decided that God was true and I was a liar. I hope I have a job tomorrow after all this confession. This is not in my notes. You see, it has been the tactic, the implementation of every totalitarian regime throughout history of man. Its first strategy is to come after the peoples that it's conquering or have conquered memory. Its first step is to control your memory, to get you to forget about your victories, to wipe out your past achievements, to change them around and rewrite history so that you now become a conquered race of people with no victories and no past. And, and if you have no victories and no past, you have no memory, you, you, you wander aimlessly and you begin to swallow the lies that have been perpetuated by the new conquerors and the new masters of the new culture that you're just a race of people that are insignificant, irrelevant, and you're lucky that we're taking good care of you. Even in Jewish history, the Star of David is a glorious symbol. But I would imagine from the movies I've seen, and that's my, of course, at my age, the limit I know of it, the Star of David on your shoulder or on your shirt during the Holocaust is something you wouldn't be very proud of. That's how Satan works. He comes after your mind, your memories. He changes the things of God from what they represent to something else. So that the church and the the children of Zion begin to forget the great God and his mighty acts. And once we go down that slippery slide, 
We began to lose power. We began to, to, to lose intimacy. We, we began to even doubt prayer because look at where we are. And if there was a God and he heard our prayers, we wouldn't be here. There's Jewish people today because of the experience of the Holocaust that forsake the God of Israel, even though Romans tells us that they are the holders of the oracles of God. Amalek, will you help me? I, I think Amalek was one of the first kings that the children of Israel faced prior to getting into the land of uh, the, the promised land. Amalek was, was very wise. He realized right away that he could not. He refused to let the children of Israel pass. Forgive my memory if it's a little off here. And he knew that he couldn't beat them head up. Army for army, man to man, standing in the field. So Amalek, a type of Satan, knew that if he circled his army around the back, that that's where the elders of Zion would be. They would be watching the children and taking care of the infirmed. Those both represented the young and the holders of the memories and memoirs of the mighty acts of God. And you read it in your Bible, he snuck around with his armies and he smote and killed the elders and the young and the infirmed. He did that to get Israel to turn around so they had nothing to remember, to humiliate them, to cause them to forget. And if they wouldn't forget, to take away those that were called to remember. If we forget, if we choose and refuse to remember, we will go through this church life without any hope. There's several of you here sitting here tonight and many more that aren't here that are just like me. That set service after service, holding back, unengaged, refusing to worship. Not necessarily out of rebellion, but but it was just the only thing I knew to do. And all the time, people are falling from the church. It's not working. Pastors getting frustrated. And, and I never really took responsibility. Because an elder, I must... Is this making sense? I must remember and rehearse the mighty acts of God. When we remember again, we transition from passiveness to activity. This church has gone through 15 years of transition from the top down. And I'm here to tell you today, Antioch, Your transition is now. The elders, if you will, it's time to transition to your place. Even Paul says in Ephesians, he said, Wherefore, because of what came before, because of all the great things he said, Wherefore, remember that ye being time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which was called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ, all of these things are ours. But if you forget that fact, you could end up in a relevant church. Staying at home, watching online. 
Forgive me for tonight because I didn't worship like I felt to for fear uh, 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 of embarrassing myself with an old Antioch two-step and I could probably get a half inch off the ground. But everything inside of me felt like saying, yes, he's done so much for me. I can not tell it all. Listen, when I first came in this church, you know what family I'm married into, Ann Lawson, Ann Savoy back then. Uh, one of the, could I say, matriarchs or pillars of this church. I don't know how to say it. I, I would go to your care groups. Mima and Papa, Papa would show up and, and, and they would get outside and they'd come in with that guitar and, and, and everybody, Mike McGurk, Jeff Creek, everybody look out the window. Oh my God, Mima and Papa, Papa be here. And everybody would run out of reverence and respect and fear. I would go to your care groups and I would hear these stories. Yeah, well, let me tell you what God did for me. I had no money for rent. I had no money for food. They put all my furniture out and we prayed. You did what? Yeah, we prayed. You did what? They threw me out of the house, put a nose in the door, but we broke back in and we called everybody we know from the church. We called the grocers. We called the militants. We called the Lawsons. We called all the old elders of the church at that time. And we had a prayer meeting right there in the living room. And lo and behold, when we went out the door, there was groceries on the steps and rent money in the groceries. I'm sorry, young people, that's ahead of you, but you can't do that. I love you. I'm with you. I'm not against you. I'm not against you. But you can't do that. How many times did the old elders come up? I used to go up to Brother Middleton's in Baltimore all the time. I was sick. I was this. And he'd tell me all this nonsense to me at the time. You know, I was a Coast Guard man, a military man, an educated man somewhat. I was a fine man. I didn't believe in all the hocus pocus. It was like he said, Jesus' name was an abrogator form. And I was like, I didn't believe in all that stuff. But he would tell me, God's a healer. God's a healer. He can heal you right now. And he'd take that old mitt of his. And... That's probably where my bad neck you came from, right there. Oh, yeah. The elders of Antioch violated every protocol, but God showed up every time. We may not have it all right, but we had Jesus. I'm going to tell you another thing I remember about Antioch. It wasn't a social gathering when we came in at 5 o'clock for prayer. I've been telling our, the congregation on the Eastern Shore about this. And I've been telling them, there used to be big signs. No talking except for Jesus. I came into congregation this past Sunday and somebody had put a sign on our door. Nathan Rafter. No talking except about Jesus. You know what? The old timers would say, won't we have it? We had a time. Prayer broke out. Brother Chris Height grabbed the mic and he acted like an elder of Zion. He began praying and walking. I believe the Lord is here. Yeah. It was, it was stunning. It was, it was amazing. When we rise up and take our rightful place, I didn't say replace anybody. Take our place. When we make these young people our burden, when we love them enough to flow into them and give them what we have without charge, without animosity, without envy and without regret, God will open the doors of your soul at Antioch. Hear me, Antioch. 
I sit before you guilty of everything I'm saying today, begging you to have the humility, the integrity to confess it as I have done here tonight. Not to your destruction, not to your humiliation, not to condemnation, but to lachaim, to life. Jesus said he come to give us life and life more abundantly. Oh God, I fear I'm not making sense. Sister Middleton, where are you? I can't see that well. I need to know where you're at. Uh, yeah, that figures. <laughs> Somebody tell her about it. Sister Simpson, stand up, please, Reverend. Uh, Sister Valley, are you here? Please stand up. If Sister Millet was in here, I'd love to tell her. Because sometimes as elders... I don't know about you, but there's still some stuff in me. Jesus loves us so much that he just doesn't go, whew, it's all gone. I would say to you, Annie, our God is going to purge his church through this relationship. Is it safe to say that without a person that feels somewhat left behind, somewhat insignificant, has taken a major backseat in ministry, her name is Sister Linda Middleton. Would it be safe to say that you two wouldn't be here today and what you are without a Linda Middleton? Yeah. Daryl Savage. Would it be safe to say that John Hemus might not be here if it were not for all that he used you for? I'm just trying to show you the devil is a liar. He's a liar. We are not finished. No. But it is time to declare to this generation, to our God, our strength. Several ministers from not here recently that are friends of mine and, and elders of mine, actually, a couple of them much smarter than I'll ever be, have called me frustrated, despairing, lamenting over their life. Some of them have been offended here. I give them the same advice. You need to get back into reading the Word of God. Not to study, to tear apart Hebrew and Greek. Not to educate your mind as to the nuances of the feast or any other thing found in, in God's Bible. But you need to let, you need to read God for yourself because the Bible, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts, it divides, it discerns right down to the marrow of the bone, which is hidden by all this flesh. I said, if you do this, God will speak to you almost overnight because Doing, reading the word of God causes you. <clears throat> See, if God has so dulled your memory because of offenses and trouble and tribulation and trials and things you don't understand, directions that are being taken and decisions are being made that you don't agree with or not privy to the details or you don't understand, and you get so frustrated, your sub memory shuts down. 
And the only way to get it back is to look at the hall of faith, to look in the word of God. And then you read what Moses did, what Moshe of old did, what Abraham did, Isaac and Jacob. And you see the faithfulness of God to the slightest turning in his direction by any of the patriarchs and matriarchs. You see God using people much worse off morally than I have ever been and I've been pretty bad. And so all of these ministers call me like almost overnight, if not a day or two later, and say, my God, Dan, I can't believe this. God has opened the floodgates. I'm getting message after message. God is speaking to me like never before. And I'm like, I just said the devil is a liar. I want to end with this. I need a victim. Let's have a victim here. Can't be taller than me because I haven't prayed through everything, so it's going to limit the flow here. Oh, he's taller than me, believe it or not. It's really sad. Where's Brother Hayes when you need him? <laughs> My wife gave me permission to be a little funny. I heard a true story. I heard it at Young Kippur, to be honest with you. Brother Savage and I will know what this means, and I gleaned this out of it. The rabbi was telling a, rehearsing a true story. So he says, and he tells a story of how he was preaching from various scriptures to his congregation. One of them was uh, Isaiah 43 and 5, which says, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. He said he was preaching about Eliah. That's the return, if you don't know. Of, of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, back to the promised land. And that day when they return, Jerusalem, Jerusalem will once again be the city of God. And he said, he finished his sermon, and a, a, young, a young lad, come here, come here, what's your name? I'm sorry, bro. Jordan, come over here, play along with me. Don't you get on your tippy toes now. He said a young, young lad about Jordan's age came up to him after service and he was greeting everybody and the congregation, you know, shalom, bless you, whatever they do. He said, the young lad looked at him very seriously and he said, Rabbi, I have a question for you. And he said, huh, okay. What's your question? He said, what's your question? Just play with you. <laughs> he said, Rabbi, you were preaching about our people returning from the east and as far as the east is from the west and all of these things. I just want to know how far the east is from the west. What is the distance of that travel? How many miles is it, Rabbi? I need to know. The rabbi said, thought about it for a minute. He says, he says his own testimony is, I was taken aback by the question and I had to quickly think on my feet. And the rabbi came up with a wonderful answer. Turn this way for a minute. Stay right there. We're going to stand side by side. I want you to just stay facing that way and take one step that way. Just one step and then stop and face that way. One step. The rabbi said, my son, the east is distant-wise far from the west as one step. When we turn, turn to me, when we turn back to God, to the Almighty, and we take one step, that's how far the east is from the west. See, the distance that we think is so insurmountable is just one step away tonight. 
The distance that we rightfully, shamefully, guilty of at times, elders, have put between us and God seems so great and insurmountable. Matter of fact, some of us have been so prayerless and so void, even in the midst of the revival. Happy for Antioch, love the rights, love this church, love our youth. But yet we feel like there's no place and no room at the end for us anymore. And I'm here to say once again that the devil is a liar. And that I have found through God's goodness, God's grace, and his mercy truly endureth forever. And that he was always just one step away. I'm not sure how we end this. I'm not sure if there's music. I have no idea. I'm sure you didn't come to a Thursday night to hear a message like this. I'm quite convinced. And especially through a vessel such as I. But nonetheless, it is the word of God. Nonetheless, it is a truth in the spirit that time is short. The moment is at hand. And it's time for the elders of Zion to plug back in again. Whether you do or whether you don't, as for me and my house, we will. We will. We will. We have. We will continue. We will never forget again. I call on you right now. See a word from God, a sermon, a message, a word from God. If it doesn't have a target, it's not a word from God. I get a lot of criticism sometimes. Don't blame me. It's in my, from my daddy, Bishop Wright's DNA. I never preach without a target. I'm sorry if you don't like that. But the word of God is designed to do its purpose. You cannot preach and teach without a target. There has to be a target tonight. I want every young person over here, if you would, please. I don't know how to end this. We're just going to try to flow it. Please, just come forward in your little gander gaggle of stuff you always do over here. I sneak over once in a while, and they try to push me away. Get out of here, little guy. You're old. Trish, who? I think she had to leave. Brother Chris Height, are you here? Oh, that's all right, Jalen, I didn't see you. Go ahead. Just play some of your young, melodious music. I went to the mall the other day and I realized I am so normal. Skinny jeans hairdos I, I renewed my commitment to, to the almighty to pray for you what a generation wow the world that is I, I just told brother Milton I really don't know what I'm doing here right now as far as ending this service but let me say this to all of you elders like me if you would like to take that one step today would you come fill this place I'm not calling you bad. I'm just 
God is calling. God needs you. Do you understand this? God needs you. The kingdom of God, Antioch, these young people need you. When you see them at the altar, you pray with them. When you see them falling or hearing a rumor, you go to them. You don't wait for them to come to you. We're elders. You don't correct or get in the pastor's way, but you assist and help and make yourself available. You begin to give freely. I'm going to hand this mic to Brother Middleton in a minute. But symbolically, if this side of the house would face this way, if you are facing as you are. And then I think it would be appropriate, perhaps after we do this, for these elders, if you will, to find these young people and perhaps pray for them. Let them pray for you. The gap is nothing but a lie. It's a fabrication designed to destroy you. So if you would, as a sign of faith unto God, not unto me, would both groups take one step towards each other right now in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Let me have your attention just for a moment before we get carried away. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just for a moment. Standing back there just a second ago before he handed the mic to me. And this is what I felt the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, there's a healing that needs to take place. There's a healing that needs to take place of the feelings that a lot of us, I dare say all of us, have pondered or maybe even harbored in our hearts. And I feel like before we take the next step in finding you a prayer partner on the opposite side, let's pray right now that the Lord would, first of all, heal right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we confess right now to you. We confess, Lord, our feelings injuries, animosities to you today, Father. Father, I'm believing you right now for divine healing, Lord, to come even right now in the name of Jesus Christ and to destroy the lie of the enemy, the wedge that the enemy has tried to, to put in between the generations here today. In the name of Jesus Christ, let healing flow. Let virtue flow. Let life flow. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
Touch, heal right now, God. Heal right now, Father. Restore right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, Antioch. Antioch's getting ready to soar. Antioch's getting ready to go into the next dimension. Antioch is getting ready to step forward right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Rabo shekete Remove every lie, God. Remove every thought in the name of Jesus that would divide, Lord, and distract in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Young people, young people, I want you to hear me. God is getting ready to use this generation. I said God is getting ready to use this generation. I was thinking about some of this stuff. It's kind of hard not to. Brother Trombley lives, his office is right across the hall from mine, and we have some intermingling there. But I was thinking about some of this, and as simple as this sounds, I want you to receive it. Before we pray, remember where you stand because you stand on their shoulders. You're going to stand on their shoulders, their prayers will hold you in place. Their foundation allow you to stand. Amen. It's only because of their foundation that you'll be able to be who God called you to be. You're not who you are by yourself. You are who you are because of this foundation. I know we like to apply the scripture where where Paul says, and such were some of you. We like to apply that out there to sinners out there. But young people, the struggles that you face, that you're going to face, guess what? Some of them, we've gone through the same things. And the stability, how they made it. That's what you need to hold you in place while the glory of God is being manifested. You're going to need a safe place to stand. Now, if you can, I want you to take another couple of steps. I want you to find a young person. I want you to find an elder. Find somebody. Come on. Find somebody. Somebody that you can pour into. Hallelujah. Come on. In the name of Jesus, make room. Find somebody. If you can't find someone, it's all right. If you can pair off, that's fine. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have been, some of you elders have been carrying burdens for some of these young people. Well, now is the time. Young people move this way. 
Hallelujah. It's time now. Come on. Find somebody. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Don't hide. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on around. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, find somebody. Find somebody that you can pour into. Find somebody that you can open up to. Find somebody that they can pour their life experiences and anointing into your life. In the name of Jesus. Elders, I know you didn't have this. We know you didn't have this. Hallelujah. Oh, but they need you. They need you. Yes, come on. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Such as I have. Such as I have. Give up. Release that anointing into their lives. Release that anointing into their lives. Don't hold their gifts in bondage. Release them now in Jesus' name. 